Thanks for joining us tonight. Welcome everyone tonight for another edition of our Mystery School. Tonight's topic is on spontaneous evolution and I'm your host, Jacob Cox. Thanks for being here. So tonight I um, really wanted to talk about a topic that I haven't really talked about too much on um, any kind of videos that I've done, uh, but I do think is very important and a topic that hopefully should really honestly like get us all thinking and wondering what are the infinite possibilities of our consciousness, who we are, where we come from and where we're going. Um, so tonight's talk, spontaneous evolution, I think is a big one. I've hinted at it in a couple of videos here and there, but I'm excited to bring you this new topic, something I've been really working on for probably a decade. Um, so let's get started. So tonight's topic is spontaneous evolution. Um, and, you know, this is a picture of Bruce Lipton's book uh, about spontaneous evolution. I think it's pretty cool overall. Uh, great for a, a picture to start out with. Um, but basically the metamorphosis of humanity that, you know, so we've been told uh, the Darwin way of thinking is that things over millions of years um, slowly turn into other things. But I don't think that's how it goes. I really honestly believe that spontaneous evolution seems to be what's happening here. Um, when you look at hominids or different animals like a like a fish to, from a shellfish, there are no other fossil records. There are no other skeletons or no other things that are found from the shellfish to the fish. But that's what we should be told is that that's going to evolve into that. They're going to evolve into more complex creatures. Um, but we're not seeing that. We're seeing shellfish. We're seeing fish. We're seeing reptiles. We're seeing different things. We're not seeing the in-between. How did it get to be from reptile to mammal? How did they go from one kind of hominid, uh, you know, like a Neanderthal or Paleolithic man or, or Cro-Magnon? How did we all of a sudden get those things to Homo sapiens? There's no in-between. And I think when we look at things like the butterfly and the metamorphosis, these things are changing and they're changing quickly. They're going from one, uh, you know, the caterpillar to the butterfly and, you know, changing almost like species, you know? And so this model that we've seen where the monkey to the semi upright to an upright and less hair and they're just evolving slowly. I just, that's not the way I think it's going. I do think that they're all, that we do evolve and evolution means to roll out and the universe is rolling things out and we are changing. We adapt quickly, quickly to our environment. Um, I love this quote, man is in the process of changing to forms of life that are not of this world. And I, and I do believe that. I do believe that we are morphing. We are spontaneously evolving into different things. But I think these changes are quick and abrupt. Um, to better suit our environment, not things that happen over millions of years. So as you know, like I said, we look at this thing and it's just a picture that we're shown over and over and over again, um, kind of like a lot of things that we hear in the news or politics. And it's almost like if we say it enough, if we tell you guys this thing enough, then eventually we have to believe it and we're going to believe it. And a lot of us do, even though there really isn't any evidence for it. And that's why they're always looking for the missing link, right? There's some missing link out there that's going to prove this theory, but there isn't. And I don't think we're ever going to find any kind of link because we'd have to find a ton. We have to find a ton of evidence that shows how this thing evolved slowly over millions of years into something else. And that's just not going to happen. Never has, never will. There's always been many different kinds of hominids. Like I said before, Cro-Magnon man, Paleolithic man, uh, Neanderthals, Homo sapiens. And the thing about that is, is they weren't just one and then the other. These hominids have existed at the same time and still exist at the same time as Homo sapiens. We are not the only upright walking hominid on this planet at this point. It's just not 
the truth. Um, the truth is that there are other hominids, uh, Neanderthals, you know, and not that they're less evolved than we are. I think after this presentation, you'll come to realize that some of these, these uh, species and hominids are actually more intelligent, more evolved than we are. Just because we have tall buildings, uh, cars, we think we're more civilized, but were the Native Americans less civilized than we are because they lived in teepees and followed the land? And we have cars, we have tall buildings. I don't think so. I think they knew more about the universe, about Mother Earth, and about living in harmony with the planet than we do today. So I want to get right into it. And the biggest thing that I think really suggests that a spontaneous evolution is among us is the elongated skulls that we find. Now, these are from the Paracas skulls in Ica, Peru. I've actually stood in front of these uh, skulls myself in the museum in Ica in Peru. I can tell you this, they have pictures next to these skulls of children being binded, which means they basically put a flat board on the back. They take things and they bind their heads to stretch out their skull. And when you do this, they're not adding any capacity to the brain. They're just simply stretching out the skulls and, and just disforming the brain. Um, these skulls are not like that. They're, I believe, 25% larger in capacity. No matter how you bind the skull, you cannot increase its the brain capacity. Um, and so that's, that's something to know. They can put all the pictures there. They can make it so. They can tell you all day. But if, if it is just binding, how come there's a cop standing at the door and won't let you take a picture of the skulls while you're there? You can take a picture of everything else in the entire museum. Once you get into this little room, there's cameras everywhere. There's a cop outside with a gun and you can't even take a picture of these skulls, but they're just binded. Um, it just doesn't fly. These are incredible. They are, I believe, uh, a species that is... Uh, probably far beyond our intelligence. They understand things collectively that our species as homo sapiens probably doesn't understand. Um, and I do believe probably many of these are possibly aliens from other planets. You know, definitely, again, with the binding, you know, we have those, those ridges in our head. So when you're born and you have to go through the, the canal, your brain has to, your, your skull has to basically break. So it narrows out. And then when you come out, and obviously the, there's many, many different plates that fuse back together, basically harden back up and create your skull. Um, so we all have that little crack down the middle of our skull. These skulls don't have that. They have completely different ridge, ridges um, in the skull, uh, which I think is really important to know. Like, There's no way that you could just bind that and make that different. Um, certainly to know that these are probably different species. But again, I want to really stress is because these may be, you know, beings from the planet doesn't mean that our people, our homo sapien species can't get there. You know, evolution just doesn't stop with opposable thumbs. And now we're it because we've got our iPhones and, you know, cars and buildings. Um, and these are authentic skulls. I mean, this one still has hair all over it, which is pretty incredible that, you know, something, you know, estimated as old as these things are. Uh, still has hair on it. So, you know, very, they're very unique. They're very incredible. Um, I think this one is one of the red hair, which we hear a lot about the red hair giants in the past and even today that they're still spotted. Um, 
And so again, uh, the binding that's done and, and why are, you know, let's take that for into question real quick. Why, why would humans want to go to the trouble of binding their children's heads to look like this? Um, to me, the first thing that I think of is um, imitation is the highest form of flattery, right? When you see something, when you see somebody doing something that maybe looks like magic to you, maybe looks incredible to you, um, you want to imitate those kind of people. And so if these people physically look different, um, you're going to want to look like them. You're going to be like them. You know what I mean? Uh, all the commercials back in the day want to be like Mike. You want to be like the celebrity. You want to be like the cool person. And certainly anybody who has uh, an understanding of the way the universe works and technologies and uh, what seemingly could be magic to other people, certainly other people would want to imitate them and look like them. But you cannot fake these ridges, the differences, um, and the capacity. So, you know, we should not be so quick to think that every single one of these skulls is alien. Now, certainly we definitely see lots of different types of aliens and hear about different um, interactions and abductions and things with aliens and how a lot of them do have these enlarged uh, skulls and elongated skulls. And it just makes sense. I mean, it's even in our culture and people who, you know, in movies and cartoons that are more intelligent have these bigger heads. And it's just like all there in the underlying ether. It's just, you know, not even hidden. It's just in plain sight everywhere um, that there have always been, um, you know, people with elongated skulls. And there are still today people who are descendants of these people. I've seen many pictures of royalty of people uh, who definitely still in paintings and those who walk among us today who still have a bit of an elongated skull. Um, so we see this everywhere, all over the world, Mayan. We see this in, in every, almost every culture and every, um, almost every continent. And, and, you know, I'm not always do they have this really, you know, conformed, uh, elongated skull. Sometimes we just see this little bond of enlightenment up here on the Buddha and you know, we have to think about that. Why is there on every Buddha that you see almost, you literally have this little bun right here. What does that signify? What are they, what are people trying to tell us? You know, this is Christian, this whole family. Um, you know, the women, the men, all of them have the, the kids. They have these, these look like hats almost, right? But what's underneath the hats? What are the, what's hiding under there? And why do they have to hide these, their heads because of this? Um, it's really, you know, fascinating to even think about that these people walked among us at some point just openly. And, um, you know, it was almost like a memory that we've lost it. You know, we've kind of forgotten. But um, in so many light beings and so many cultures and so many pictures and so many statues, you have this like a bond of enlightenment. And we talk about it. We see it a lot. We've seen a lot of different, you know, cultures and societies and things. Um, certainly it's not just conducive to men. There are definitely many statues of women, paintings, uh, you know, gods and goddesses. But this, this bun, I, I am completely convinced at this point, this is not a hairstyle that every Buddha has. This is something that I believe they're trying to convey that was seen. 
is something that we should take a step in and look at it and say, maybe there's a little bit more to this than just a pointy hat or a bun on their head. Um, many cultures talk about crowns, crowns of life, crowns of royalty that can be taken away. Um, and what's under these hats? Why are these gods and goddesses wearing these really kind of pointy hats? And, you know, are they covering up this, you know, maybe this is the crown of life, you know? Confucius. Confucius was literally said to have a misshapen head that looked like a crown on his head. And so almost every statue, almost every painting that you can find, you really find this kind of weird uh, crown type of uh, thing on top of his head. And even, you know, these statues and stuff with even more pointy points on their head, which looks like, you know, not necessarily a hat that he's wearing. It seems to be something else. And even again, these guys over here on this left-hand side of this picture are literally wearing what seems to be, you know, again, maybe imitation is the highest form of flattery. They're imitating what they saw. And maybe they saw a guy who literally had a head like this. Um, and again, these guys are sitting around the Buddha and the Buddha has the bond of enlightenment on top. I've studied this and I've seen it in thousands and thousands of pictures. And eventually one day when I looked at what we call magicians and saw that pointy hat on top of its head and I was thinking, wow, that is something that could honestly possibly be. The reason why he could be wearing this is to cover up that cone shaped head that he has. What if this is a person not someone just from another planet who has evolved and their species has evolved to have long heads. But what if these enlightened beings in our past, Krishna, Allah, Buddha, Christ, literally had elongated skulls because they went through some kind of metamorphic process, some kind of spontaneous evolution in their lifetime and was able to pop out that soft spot of your head. What's, and what's that the part of the head up here called? The crown. The crown of our heads where the baby soft spot is. And what if we were to be like little children again, tend to the kingdom of heaven, as Christ said? And what if we were to have that innocence and in that? Would we be able to have that soft spot again? Would we be able to, you know, just blossom our gray matter until until there was some kind of process of enlightenment where that popped out, you know, the gray matter into a large um, crown type um, bun or some kind of elongation to the skull? Certainly the pointy hat on magicians is totally a icon for that, for those people, for the magi and the magicians that they're all wearing these pointy hats. And to me, it's like a symbol. Symbols don't just come from nowhere. They have reasons and meanings why they're there. And then to bring it full circle, to come back into the last hundred years or so, when they've taken that pointy hat and put it on the kid who's the bad kid in class, and called him a dunce and turned what we have, you know, seen throughout history and cultures and gods and goddesses and kings and queens, um, now turn it into something that's bad, that's something not to talk about, something that you're a bad person, you're wearing the dunce hat, go sit in the corner, you know, and, and trying to affiliate this now with something that's negative. Uh, I, I don't buy it. I, I definitely think 
you know, it's the same reason why, what happened to witches? What happened to wizards? What happened to magicians? They died at the stake. They were burned. They were killed. So they wanted to ostracize them and completely just remove them from society. And anybody who was even close to it, even people who didn't even do those things were burned at the stake and killed. So it's it's just a probably a way for people who don't want us to find this information to see those things, to not want to indulge in them, don't um, you know, don't indulge in magic and don't and don't be a part of that that world. Uh, so put the stunts head on you. And so, you know, um, you know, forget, forget about, you know, fitting into the crowd. You're, you're now part of that, you know, uh, wizards or witches or somebody that's ostracized from society. So, you know, Nefertiti, Akhenaten, again, they're not wearing the, the magician head, but they are wearing very, you know, elongated hats. Their, their children all have weird bodies and they all have elongated skulls as well. Some look like they have hats on, some look like they don't but they all look like they have elongated skulls. And obviously again, Nefertiti had this incredibly big hat that she wore. And why is she wearing that big hat? Cause she's got a big head that goes under it. She's got an elongated skull that she, for some reason in the past, I feel like they probably had to hide it. Looking that different, having a skull like that, doing things that people thought were black magic or evil, that you were connected to the devil. That's why they burn people at the stake. That's why they kill magicians. That's why they kill people who brought people back from the dead, um, who did miracles. That's not something you're supposed to do. That's something God's supposed to do. And none of us are God. At least that was the thought. And that's what they were told. Akhenaten, he's wearing a humongous hat. And this dude, just in general, looks like a weird guy. Um, you know, the Egyptians, obviously, uh, when they did portraits and statues of people, they made them look really handsome and good looking you know, really cut knocking on was this really weird belt, you know, um, had a big belly and all these other things and just look completely different from everybody from the time and obviously changed everything in his way of thinking and doing things. But certainly again, to the, to the point he had this big hat on and even this one definitely looks more like a magician hat that they're wearing, but certainly I believe he had elongated skull too. Even King Tut who was found, once he was, you know, brought to, brought out of the tomb and everything, and they, you know, made a, um, you know, composite of basically of what they thought he would look like, and this is it. I mean, there's no doubt he has a little bit more skull than a normal person would have, a little bit of extra bun, a little bit more crown, and so, you know, he's just a descendant from someone who probably had more, and you know, as time goes past and generations go by. You know, probably a little bit less, a little bit less noticeable, but I've definitely seen paintings and stuff. People who are royalty, not not real kings and queens, I believe. People who wear gold crowns now, but the real crown of life that we're looking for, a real king wears a crown uh, on his head. And so I want to bring it straight to the king of kings, right? Jesus Christ himself. This is not something that is ever pictured with Jesus. You don't ever see this elongated skull of him is true. But you would have to think if this is the King of Kings, Lord of Lords, if this is, you know, one of our last big enlightenment homo sapiens to get there, that he probably had one. And my guess is that he actually probably did. And just like many other informations, and just like a lot of information out there, I think a lot of things are suppressed and they'll do anything to suppress certain things. But let me read to you a story or at least a quote in Matthew that Jesus said, 
He said, which of you by taking thought can add one cubit to your stature? So literally he's saying, who out of all of you, if you think taking thought by thinking, you can add one cubit, that's measurement to your stature. So he's literally saying thinking can make you taller. And where would you just, would your, would your legs get longer? Would your stomach, your abdomen get longer? I mean, it just, if you really think about that, if that's a true story, where would you get a little taller at? If you're thinking, you're using your brain and you could literally be taller. I honestly think he's referring to this crown of life. Now the crown and the crown of righteousness and there are many crowns talked about in the Bible, stuff that you had to do and have incredible faith for that you would be given these crowns. These are the crowns I really believe that we should be working for, not the crowns of gold that, you know, people who are said to be royal now have. But here's something that may blow your mind. If it doesn't blow your mind, maybe you're in the wrong mystery school, because this right here, upon looking at this and, and, and just dwelling on this picture for a long time, made me think incredible things. And now this would be a Jewish boy and he's wearing his yarmulke on the back of his head, right? What does that look like to you? It looks like a bun that's, you know, you know, really honestly, if you were to make that into a silhouette, it would look like a human with an elongated skull, right? And this is supposed to symbolize humility. And I could only imagine that you have to be wondering, why would you put this on your head to symbolize humility? What is it? What is this a symbol for? This is a symbol for the fact that Christ had a, a crown of righteousness on his head that was an elongated skull that he was able to manifest for himself. And other people looked upon him, wanted to be like him and put something on their head to imitate something that he had that you yourself, you yourself can grow. You yourself can add that cubit to your stature by adding thought. But we don't even do it because we don't even think it's possible. We don't even know that that's even a thing. But yet we wear these symbols and stuff on our head and we don't even know why. And so I just, I think of this and I look at it and I'm like, wow. And that is so close to that King Tut picture to me where it's just a little bit extra added on to his head. It's not even something that most people would probably notice unless you have those really long ones. But just for, um, you know, I don't know, maybe just the, the initial stage of enlightenment. Maybe the head just becomes a little bit bigger. Maybe these crowns just become a little bit bigger. And then, you know, evolution is something that does roll out. And they, you know, heads do get bigger for people who do had add more thought. Um, but again, to me, what we think of today when we say kings and queens and princes and princesses, these are people who are wearing crowns of gold. And I don't think that any crown or any king or queen that I'm looking for would wear something like that. Look at this guy. This guy's got this, you know, the same. It's very similar, but it is funny that most of the crowns that you, when you think of are gold. But they also have um, these kind of these kind of crowns as well. Um, and they symbolize basically the same thing. Kings, royalty. Uh, and it is funny that they're gold. And I think what more that the reason why they're gold is when you see real kings and queens, when you see pictures of Mary, oh. Mary Magdalene and Jesus Christ, when you see their halos, they're typically gold. And they're, these are parts of, uh, you know, coming from the third eye, 
their crowns of life. Um, they go along with people who have crowns on top of their heads. Um, and they're, they're usually seem to be gold colored, which would make me think why these people would wear these kind of crowns on top of their head to symbolize the same thing. They don't have the gold halo crowns. They have these gold manufactured crowns of real gold. Yeah, these people are faking it. These people are telling you they're kings by putting on these gold crowns. Why these people, like Mary Magdalene, Jesus, are your real kings, your real queens, the real people who have really attained and deserve, deserve to be royalty. They are the king of kings, lord of, lord of lords, the queen of queens, whatever. These people have reached enlightenment. They, they've earned their royalty, not people who said, because we were born by these people. And we have this status now because our brothers and sisters, our moms and dads, no, those are, those are false. Um, the kings and queens we're looking for are people who have gold halos that come around their head. They have crowns of life on top of their crown of their head. Um, and again, all that stem, that stems from that third eye that is awakened. And we know for a fact now that when your pineal gland and your third eye is active, it glows inside of your head. So that, that glow literally, you know, as it grows brighter, it comes out of the head and it, you know, surrounds the entire head. Um, that's the crown, uh, the gold crown halo that I'm looking for, for a real king. And that is not just Krishna or Jesus or Mary Magdalene or anybody in the past. It's literally you and it's me. Each one of us can attain enlightenment. It's not something that was only for certain people. Certainly there are people out there who probably want you to think that, but as each of us start to wake up and realize that there are no limits, that we can all wake up, we can all have crowns of lives, we can all evolve past opposable thumbs and, you know, just the way things are all on this planet, you know, education, politics, there's so much more to go. There are civilizations and planets out there that are far beyond what we think is possible, uh, far beyond what we think is possible. And these, civiliz these civilizations are far beyond this politically, education, uh, the way they're getting around on their planet. They're probably not using fossil fuels anymore, type zero civilizations, and, you know, and they're far beyond us. So yeah, this is you, this is me, this is all of us. This is evolution spontaneous. We can all do this. It's not something that, you know, one or two people can get to. I believe all of us can. And I think what they have shown us is when we look back at the past of Krishna and Buddha and uh, Christ, these are not names, but they're titles, the anointed one, the Messiah. And each one of us can be that too. And so let's go off a little bit here. I know this one's crazy a little bit, but every once in a while, it's, okay. it's good to get crazy. And look at this picture. This is a drawing of Patty. Patty is the Sasquatch that was filmed in the Roger Patterson Gimlin film. Every Sasquatch that people say almost that they have seen, they draw pictures of and see videos of, they have crowns on their head. They literally have these elongated skulls, much like gorillas do. And I think that's fascinating to know. These are hominids. These are a species that don't care about light beer, politics, you know, uh, most of our ideas, certainly all of them know that humans exist. Why? Maybe 50% of us believe that Sasquatches or wild people exist. I believe these hominids are much more evolved than we are. Um, 
And there are people say they see them burst into light, kind of transcend dimensions. And they um, seem to be honestly far beyond us. And another thing that people say that they see a lot of times is the red glowing eyes. And that seems to be something that we see a lot with them. Eye shine, not from the camera, but literally almost like light protruding from their eyes when they're in cameras. And that, that, that can be seen. And I think that's something as I read in the Bible, and it made me think of that one day. Uh, these things say the Son of God, he who has eyes like flame of a fire and his feet are like shining bronze. Wow. So it's saying that the Son of God has eyes like a flame. And even it says when he was come back, he'd have these flaming eyes. And I think that is pretty incredible to realize that Christ does have these flaming eyes. And this is a picture of what's called the skunk ape in Florida. He's got the eye shine. His eyes are shining. And he is definitely um, looks like he's shining his eyes a lot brighter than, you know, a, a human would be if they were in the dark and, a, and lights were being shining in his eyes. I think this is because these people, the humans, have actually, um, you know, built up their fire and their water, their air, their earth in their body to a point where you know they can their fire is burning in them enough to where they can actually see through the darkness without any kind of lights their third eye is awake their fire in themselves is awake and they can see through you can take over if you want yeah ah, man i'm almost there so let's just keep going um and so christ is the same thing you know he, he said he's coming back on these eyes flaming and we see that it's almost kind of like the sith lords and star wars um but, you know, we're kind of, again, this is kind of like in the culture, something that we see pretty regularly too, kind of hidden in plain sight. And so Christ, you know, has this 40 days in the wilderness where um, I think when, when, when doing some studying and some real meditation, I think this is the process of when this happens. He goes, he fasts in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights, you know, so he's really you know, probably DMT'd up, right? So he's not eating, he's barely drinking anything, and he's in the wilderness and he's being tempted by the devil and all these things are happening. To me, this is this huge process of enlightenment that's happening for him. Once this 40 years of wilderness is over, when he finally goes back to the um, to society and starts really teaching and preaching the word to everyone. So you know, here we are in this point in our evolution where I feel like this picture is a great, a great um, you know, symbol of what's going on. And if you kind of really zoom into it, you can really tell that, you know, a lot of it, you know, seems to be what really has gone on. And there's a spiral of time, a timeline that's happening. Um, but let's get to this point right here. The point where Christ, after Buddha and Christ has been crucified, we've gone through this really dark part of our evolution and that is what it is um and it's helpful to who we are as humans and where we're going and we've kind of got to this space now where we can destroy ourselves or we can completely go into a whole new way of living and doing things on this on this earth and so i think that's important to know you can go one way or you can go the other and so now's the time for us to make that decision which way are we going to go as humans so we know that there are dramatic changes happening on this planet right now so can those dramatic climate changes throughout our solar system trigger spontaneous evolution? Is it possible that what's going on on this planet today can actually, we, we actually can, you know, trigger spontaneous evolution? And I believe so. 
what's happening on the sun, what's happening in our earth is incredible right now. In fact, in the past couple of days, we've had um, two, a, a couple of different news stations for the past day or two talk about the core inside the earth has literally stopped spinning. And so they they expect now that that core to start spinning the other way, but no one knows for sure what's going to happen. And as our fields are becoming, our magnetosphere is becoming much weaker, um, we're realizing that even these big, huge bursts of plasma that are coming, they don't even have to be, this doesn't have to be this huge burst coming. The bursts that are already coming, once the magnetosphere is down, are big enough to take down our satellites, are big enough to change life on this planet and flip the poles over into something big. Um, and that's that's really what's happening. The poles are already on the move. And that's really what's what's huge right now. It's not if they will flip. We're already in the middle of a reversal. You know, airports that were built to magnetic north are, you know, 10 degrees off or so. Okay, we're back. So the power of editing, thank you guys for staying with me. You know, I'm a dad, so I got to take care of business sometimes. But let's get back to where we were. So I believe we're talking about magnetic reversal. So we are already in the midst of a magnetic reversal. Um, airports that were built 10 degrees are built to the magnetic North Pole are about 10 degrees off or sometimes even more. So we know that the magnetic Earth, the magnetic North and South, they're moving, they're on the move. In fact, even they're creating huge holes in our atmosphere because we don't have this really big magnetosphere anymore. It's really dwindling. Everything's really dwindling. So the fact that in you know the past two days now, there's been a huge talk that they believe that the core has stopped spinning because of these you know seismographs from earthquakes and everything, and something major is going on. It's just another indication that we are in the midst of a huge magnetic reversal of this planet, which could have huge, huge uh implications for this planet and what's going to happen on it. I mean, I personally believe, uh, and we're going to believe, so we're not going into fact, but after reading stuff like the Quran talking about the old lion turnaround and they're talking about earth, um, it makes sense that, you know, for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction, right? So if our planet was to flip and we know these things happen, we know magnetic reversals happen, the sun itself, it flips every 11 years the poles slip on the sun and so we know ours is uh, we know we know the earth has flipped and we know it will flip again but if i believe that if the earth magnetic uh, north and south were to completely flip and shift i do believe that that equal and opposite reaction that we would have is first of all the magnetosphere of the earth is going to be none you know what i mean it would probably be almost nothing there'd be almost no protection so being in the solar maximum we really wouldn't have to have this huge solar burst. I mean, I do believe that that is part of this whole uh, evolutionary process. I do, but it wouldn't even have to be that big with all the magnetosphere down. It'd have to be very, wouldn't even have to be the ones that we're hitting right now. The big ones that are hitting would be enough probably to take down all the satellites and the huge purification of this planet. So that's first. The other thing is if we did have a flip, I do think it would cause the earth to top to stop spinning the way it is. And that would create a point where it would at least stop for some time where one side would be facing the sun and one side would be away from the sun. And I think the evidence to that is in Middle Eastern times in the Middle East, we have these stories of these three days of darkness. And in America, in the Hope tradition, they have a they have a 
you know, this talk about the long day that happened in the past that could happen in the future again. And so I think that's what makes sense to me that if the earth were to flip, the pole, the, you know, the poles would flip, the earth would stop. That one side would get a little sun for a little long, backside would be cold from the darkness until it started to turn it back around and start to go the other way. And the magnetic flip would cause all kinds of crazy things to happen. At least we have to, you know, assume that some big changes would happen from this. The crust could then therefore shift, and we believe that happens in places like Antarctica, um, could shift to somewhere in the equator. And many people believe that Antarctica was already a continent that's been somewhere else because of the Paris map. Obviously, they had for hundreds of years known what the landmass on Antarctica looks like without the ice on it. So it's very possible that once the ice melts on Antarctica, we're going to see some incredible pyramids, um, you know, buildings and all kinds of structures on that continent that because it's been a place that's been inhabitable for a long time and only probably because of a pole shift out, shifted down to Antarctica. So if the, again, the poles flip, the earth stops spinning, it starts to go the other way. And we have a completely different magnetic pole north and south now. I think this has a huge effect on what people are teaming, what people are terming the new earth. It's a new age. It's the age of Aquarius. It's a new way of living on this planet. That won't be completely different from what we see in the past. There are definitely civilizations and times where we've had uh, incredible amounts of knowledge and wisdom and technologies upon us. But certainly this shift would have an incredible impact on humans because we're the universe. We're the universe made whole, right? We are the universe experience itself. And um, so, of course, we're on this planet. This shift happens. The poles would flip in us. I believe that we would go from a brain polarization to more of a heart polarization. And not that one is better or worse than the other. They definitely have contrasts into growth of our evolution of who we are. So um, certainly one's not better than the other, but it would be a more heart-based polarity than it would be a, a thinking or a brain-based polarity, which I believe, I believe that we're in now. Um, on that day where, you know, these flares are being able to hit, the, the magnetosphere is down, the earth has stopped spinning. Uh, I mean, I imagine this to be what's what's zero point is. And, and zero point is basically the, tor the toroidal field of energy, like an apple or an orange that goes up. It's whole into itself as it comes down. It comes into, you know, uh, the center, which is the zero point, which is where we find the seeds, the apple seeds, the orange seeds, um, our heart. Uh, those kind of things. And I think it really starts to show us that um, this Taurus is not just a shape, but it's how this, this thing that the universe is putting out all, all over the place, magnetospheres, human uh, aura fields, uh, like I said, fruits and vegetables, how stars move about in the galaxy. They go out and up and down and come back down to the center of the uh, galaxy. They move in the same total pattern. So I think we have these spirals of coming back and learning things over and over again into this zero point that we are, that's really coming to the head. It's coming to a point. And this is going to affect us humongously to be in this kind of seed area, the seed point, this new life point, this new age, this new way of doing things point. It's going to be completely different. And, um, 
it's going to have a major impact on us. And I think this is a point where literally anything is possible. So honestly, what we think about, we bring about. So if we think it's the end of the world, it's destruction, you might find yourself at the end of a, a tornado or an earthquake or some kind of being in a war with a bomb. Um, certainly if you think it's a new world and it's a new way of living, um, then um, we have that opportunity to use that and use our imaginations to create maybe anything that we want and manifest anything. And this is a point where maybe it's so quickly, it's spontaneous, it's incredibly fast. Um, and here's a verse from the Bible I tend to think is talking about this very time in history. Corinthians 1 says, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, in the twinkling of an eye, and the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised, imperishable, and we shall be changed. That, I think, is saying that we shall be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, super quick. Something incredible is about to happen. Um, and that is very exciting to me. I believe that is something pretty profound that everyone in every culture and every book seems to point toward some kind of fascinating, incredibly quick, spontaneous change that's among us. And so what I think is the way Darwin put it is saying that there's this survival of the fittest moment, you know, um, that's how evolution works. I don't think that I think it's who can adapt, who can change. And that love really is the higher vibrational frequency over fear. Um, love is a higher, more sporadic wave pattern than fear is. Oh, thank you guys for being patient with me. I'm a dad and mom is doing a woman's healing session today. So uh, we'll probably have to change the day. So we'll make sure stuff like this doesn't happen again. But um, let's get back to it. And I think that I was saying, let's hide this point down. Um, you know, that love really is this higher vibrational frequency. And when we look at somatics being played through salt or sugar or some kind of crystalline structure, and when those uh, vibrations get higher, they seem to just morph into different, more complex shapes. And I believe that's what's happening. Our Schumann cavity resonance is getting higher, and it almost seems like things are speeding up. But it's not that, you know, time is speeding up. It's like we're evolving quicker. We're learning things and we're having those epiphanies and revelations and aha moments happen with, you know, more frequency than before. What we're learning in a day is faster than what people thought maybe 2000 years ago, what they learned in their whole lifetime. So all those past lives that are coming through, that are bleeding through to us now, we're really experiencing them. And we feel really connected to more religions and more spiritual concepts and more understandings and we're able to just take in more much quickly. So we are ourselves literally evolving faster. Um, we are so much more different now as homo sapiens than we were 2000 years ago. And our DNA truly is turning on by living in these loving, grateful, you know, patterns um, than we were living in fear, being upset, not having enough. Um, we're really turning on these 90% of their DNA that they told us was junk, but certainly isn't junk. The universe doesn't create junk. It's really the good stuff. It's telepathy. It's, you know, healing. It's, you know, all these incredible things that are within us that we've just begun to scratch the surface of. And so we, we really can. We really can spontaneously evolve. We really can have dramatic changes in the twinkling of an eye, in the blink of an eye. 
Um, it's totally possible. It's because our we're not really these super physical beings as we think for. We're 99.9% empty space and our soul inside of us is the journeyer, you know what I mean? These are bodies are just here for little, you know, uh, lives that we're going to live and experience and learn. But the soul is the journeyer that goes from life to life. And it's, you know, as we've gone through millions of lives on this planet, we're starting to bring all that information, all that learning that we've experienced from lifetime to lifetime into this life. So certainly it seems like it's coming to a head. We're, we're, we're getting closer and closer to zero point spontaneous evolution it seems to be surely ahead of us and it's not for everyone not everyone's there not everyone's going to make it in this journey but i certainly think this is more so like a school it's like a graduation and we've spent you know many levels many lifetimes at certain levels learning certain spiritual practices and understanding to get to this point to take all that stuff that we've learned all across the journey so far and use it for this lifetime and knowing that in this moment that's coming upon us that things can change drastically we may be able to you know pop out a bond of enlightenment on our head we there may even be individuals that are literally able to uh, grow in stature as well and bone density to be completely large human beings some of the egyptian texts and statues show that these 15 20 foot tall you know statues were humans that were of the fifth dimension of these higher vibrational frequencies and, and understandings i too believe that when we were created by the anunnaki after their own image and their own likeness they made us smaller than them they made us you know small in comparison and that's why they had these huge gods, people who are 10, 11, 12 feet tall. And then when they inbred with us, we created these Nephilim that were even much bigger than that because they were hybrids. But we have that in us still. We have that Neanderthal DNA in us, that Cro-Magnon man, that, that Homo sapien uh, species, that we, the Homo sapien species that we are. We still have that part in us. We still have that organic, naturally evolving human and those who came from the stars to heaven, it's all in there. And we just have to lighten it up to, to access it to maybe this one moment where we get to use all of it and bam, you know, completely evolve into something completely different than anybody's ever told us was possible. I think that moment is on us now. This is a crop circle with a butterfly. And I feel like it's just so representative of what really is going to happen. We are literally you know, morphing into completely different individuals, uh, species on this planet that we've ever seen before. They'll be completely different from Cro-Magnon Man, Neanderthals, Homo sapiens. We're going to create a whole new Homo luminous, who knows, but a completely different species that could literally do things beyond our wild streams and look completely different. Uh, maybe not completely, it's up two arms, two legs, two eyes, and that same Fibonacci fire ratio um, patterns that we see, but a, a different species that's ever been seen on this planet before. And it's not going to take a long time to evolve over millions of years into, I'm talking about one spontaneous moment where it all changes. We are all so much more powerful than we even know than we've ever been told and probably more than our wildest dreams. And there are literally are people out there who dear, who do fear that moment when we figure this out, when we realize it. And I think a group of us Many of us on this planet around the world are starting to wake up and to realize our full potential that we really can go from these small, tiny little homo sapien, fearful hominids into this incredible, incredible, great 
species that is just getting to know themselves and to really dig deep into who we really are. And so maybe, maybe the time is now to realize that the people of the past who had these elongated skulls, many of them probably were aliens. However, there all there definitely have been, I believe, different Christs and Buddhas and Krishnas who have reached a state of enlightenment where they earned their elongated skull, where they earned their crown, where they earned their halo in maybe a 40-day period in the wilderness, which now is more like a microcosm to the microcosm of this vent where many people can experience a very similar situation or experience that these uh, Buddhas and Krishnas experience in their journey into the wilderness. We are going to have a collective <clears throat> moment, you know, similar to what many Christians call the rapture. Uh, the rapture means to be caught up. And I do believe we'll be caught up in a higher dimensional frequency um, and not similar in the way that, um, you know, Christ would be on the cloud picking people up. I don't think that, but I do think we'll be caught up into a higher dimensional frequency. And we will see probably many different humans on this planet who will be walking around and we probably won't have to wear any more pointy hats and, and things to cover it up. It will just be something that is normal to us, that our brothers and sisters and that there are just people who are a little bit farther beyond the rest of us. And they have elongated skulls because they have more brain capacity and more intelligence than the normal person does. And that's because we're coming to that age. We're coming to a new age of Aquarius, a golden age, a time that has been prophesied as a thousand years of peace, uh, a time of great technology to be brought back that has been on this earth before, but not never gone forever, but promised to be come back again. So I think that is what is upon us. Spontaneous evolution, the changing of politics, education, the whole way of life on this planet is, is I believe, in the midst of a huge um, revolution. And so tonight, guys, I'm very optimistic and incredibly happy and grateful to know that I have incarnated on this earth at this time to be able to use all the skills, all the learning, all the evolution that I've gained so far in this moment, in this life, to hopefully spontaneously evolve into the being that I really truly am. Thank you guys all for joining us tonight. Another mystery school on spontaneous evolution. I'm incredibly thankful for every single one of you. I'm grateful just to be able to have this experience. Um, thank you for Mike and the Ascension Works TV for having me live stream. And I uh, hope you guys have a good night. Thank you.